is Exit Vlog, powered by BackSportsPage.com. Welcome back to the Exit Vlog podcast. I'm your host, Adam Cohen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-worker and friend, Henry. Today is April 8th, 2020, and tonight we're going to get into the top 10 right fielder list. As part of our top 10 series at each of the positions, we still have, what, shortstop, relief pitchers, uh, DHs. Yeah. yeah, we still have a couple more to go. We've been doing a little bit out of order, having some updates on the coronavirus in between. Please go check that out if you haven't already. But before we get into it, Henry, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm happy to always broadcast with you. And hey, even though we're doing it just me and you tonight, more time to debate and more time to get into it. Absolutely, man. I'm excited as always to talk about baseball. Nice. That's good to hear. So without further ado, let's get into it. Henry, who's your prospect to watch for right field? Yeah, I have his baseball reference page pulled up right now. I went to high school with him. Uh, the Louisville, Kentucky product, Joe Adele of the Angels system. It's actually his birthday, too. I'm seeing that on his baseball reference page. So happy birthday, Joe. Uh, but he's a beast, power hitter. He had a little bit of a short season last year in the minors. Uh, but he's he's shown that he can be a power and a speed guy. And I think uh, he may not play right away for the Angels, but eventually he'll be up and he'll be a guy to watch. That's a very good pick. Joe Adele has been at the top of the leaderboard and pretty much across any list you look at. And there's a reason why the Angels gave up Cole Calhoun when him walking free agency in order to bring up top prospect Joe Adele, who him and other prospects such as Jemai Jones have been in the system for a long time. When the season starts, whenever that will be, he will make his very much anticipated debut. So it's really cool that it's his birthday and they have that connection with him, and that's a great choice. Um, as for my pick, I have Jared Klenick, and he might not be the best kind of prospect to watch in terms of outfielders, but he's certainly a very good one and very underrated. He is part of the, uh, obviously, the Edwin Diaz trade that where the Mets sent uh, him and Justin Dunn to the Mariners and return receive Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. And Klenick, he's he's very underrated. He had 23 home runs across three minor league levels last year, Hit 133 rated runs created plus in each of the three levels at the highest level reached last year. Hit a 289 ISO, meaning it doubles, triples, home runs divided by bats, which is very, very good. And he had all of that in double A. So very impressive. Absolutely. Very strong stat line there. Uh, we'll be excited to see him play as well. Especially if the Mariners opening up too. You can see pretty much everyone and their cousin playing for them. We have baseball. Yeah, easy team to get playing time on. Uh, Well, I mean, easy for me to say. I'm not a professional athlete. (laughs) I couldn't do it. But, uh, yeah, that does seem, you know, for a team that's in that kind of rebuilding phase, young guys are obviously going to get those chances. Exactly. And he's he's certainly on the rise, so he can certainly make a difference. But going into our next part of the podcast, who are your players that just missed the cut of the top ten? Yeah, I'll just give you one, and that is, I got to give you a homer pick. It's Jason Hayward, and I think he has become a little bit underrated, oddly enough, after the Cubs overrated him and paid him $184 million. 
But hear me out. He plays gold glove defense every single year. And at the plate, he hasn't been that bad. Last year, he had 21 homers and a 251 batting average. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, he batted 270 the year before. Uh, the OPS was 772 last year. So he's, he's not terrible. I think that he's worthy of mentioning in the conversation of top 10 at the position. Yeah, when you when when you originally put that in the chat, I was pretty kind of taken aback at first, being like, Jason Hayward, this guy's been overrated for a while. He's not the player he once was since he was on the Braves, even with when that one year he was with the Cardinals. But you're right, he actually really does still provide that gold glove defense each year and every year. And in terms of other outfielders, he is definitely a little bit of a better hitter. He's he's better hitter at least as good of a hitter as like Jackie Bradley and Harrison Bader and Billy Hamilton. He's better than most, if not all of those guys. So he's a solid pick and he's definitely underrated. I'll give you that. I appreciate it, Adam. Who do you got? For me, I have one, an outfitter I was actually really highly touted a few years ago. And this is Adam Eden, who many people forget was part of the Lucas Giolito trade, which is so prevalent now since he's at top of the rotation for the White Sox. And Eden, he still plays pretty decent defense in the outfield. He has decent pop and stolen bases, had 15 homers, 15 stolen bases last year. And then I mentioned this guy before, but Cole Calhoun had a breakout year in 2019, playing pretty decent defense and hitting 33 home runs as well. Yeah, I know. I've I've been following Adam Eaton for a while. I haven't paid as much attention to Calhoun. I've always kind of thought of him as a really low average guy. Was that better last year, too? I think it was slightly. I think he had pretty high OPS for himself in 792, which isn't too high. So I, I think you're correct in that assumption. Yeah, 792 OPS isn't bad, though. I think that's worthy of mentioning in the top 10 conversation, so I won't debate you there. <laughs> uh, but moving forward into my guy who did make the cut at number 10, I think this is a bit of an interesting pick. I have Hunter Dozier uh, for the Royals and uh, with the team acquiring Michael Michael Franco from the Phillies, I, I am assuming that Dozier is going to play in right field. So that's why my, I'm including him here. He had a pretty awesome year at the plate last season, 84 RBI, a 279 average, 870 OPS. Uh, and this is another bad team where the guys that are good are going to play. They've, they've shown that they're going to let him go with other dudes like Whit Merrifield and Alberto Mondesi when he's healthy. But I think that, you know, that's something that Dozier is going to benefit from as well. Yeah, you know, he's a sneaky good pick. He's been a long-time roles prospect back when they were starting to make the, making the playoffs uh, for a couple years in a row. And yeah, you're right. He, you're, without him playing third base, he will be playing probably in right field. And correct me if I'm wrong, Henry, but he has a little bit of speed and defense too to his name. Yeah, he didn't steal a whole lot of bases last year. He only had two, but I think you know, he's a pretty good base runner. Uh, so, you know, like maybe a little bit of deceptive speed and the, the glove is pretty strong for Dozier as well. And he has that defensive versatility or you can play him at third base or in the outfield, so that's a plus as well. Yeah, that, that versatility can certainly help, especially with the Royals, who are pretty much banking on themselves to be the speed, creative, and versatile team, especially since they have so many years before they'll be able to contend again. So Dozier's a sneaky good pick. I like that. 
Thank you, Adam. Uh, for my Tom 10, you might disagree with where I'm putting him, but I have Nick Castellanos. And I, I was I honestly wanted to put him in my top five even at first, but then I looked at him, and honestly, year in, year out, this guy keeps proving that he cannot play good defense. He keeps proving that while he's an above-average hitter, where he'll usually hit 27, 25 plus home runs or so, and he'll be around a 270 average, around 800 OPS plus. Very good stuff, but there's no, there's not really room for growth. Yet, yes, he's a doubles machine. He had 58 doubles last year, which is insane, and that set a long time record for a while. That was like the highest doubles count in a little while. But he's not going to be the guy who's going to jump to 30 plus home runs. He's not going to be the guy who bats over 300 again. He's not the guy who's going to miraculously improve his horrible defense, which is maybe one of the worst in baseball. So I think that he's a very good player. I think he'll help the Reds, but I also think he's kind of limited in his kind of baseball savviness. Now, I do have to disagree a little bit with you here, Adam. Uh, I think that there is a little bit of room for growth and definitely the potential for getting over 30 home runs. And that's just coming by the ballpark. Great American ballpark is a great place to hit. And I think especially for Castellanos' skill set. Uh, you see, you look at the you know the charts with the ball overlay at a different stadium, the balls that would have made it out at, at Great American that were like warning track balls at Wrigley or in Detroit. Uh, I think that Castiano certainly has a, the chance to get to maybe 35 home runs. I think some of those doubles scrape over and, and turn into home runs, and maybe he could bat 300 as well. That lineup's going to be pretty good, but I, uh, I have Castiano's a couple spots higher than you, so I don't, I don't totally disagree, especially with you talking about defense. The defense is pretty rough. I actually I rank Castiano's at seven though, so I won't talk about Spoilers. him once we get up there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll just leave him out later. <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. Like, maybe he could hit 30 home runs, but the whole kind of overlay of different stadiums, and I'm going to, we're going to talk about that later with a specific stadium, but it, in terms of most stadiums, I don't think that applies to as much of the juice baseball. And the fact that he has never been really more than a three war player in terms of fan graphs and has still not reached a 30 home run threshold, even though. The home run rate is spiked year in, year out, and you would think this guy would be a big beneficiary of it. I, I just want to – I don't think – I still think he can be probably a top seven even more, but I just want to see that kind of net extra step that he can take first. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable take. All right. Well, with that being said, who's your number nine, Henry? I think this is kind of another interesting one, a guy who's unproven, and that is Kyle Tucker – with the Astros, uh, he is kind of, I mean, he's, he's a young guy, but, uh, well, yeah, he's still 23. I thought he was a little bit older than that. I was going to say an older prospect. That's still a young prospect. And Kyle Tucker's really good. He was actually, Adam, you pointed out before we came on the show, he was 30-30 in the minors last year. Uh, he had like something like a 900-something OPS the year before. And the thing is, he's just got to play uh, that for whatever reason, he hasn't really broken into an everyday role yet. He's got to beat out Josh Reddick to get that uh, for him to be a top 10 right fielder, obviously. But I think the talent is there, man. Yeah, you definitely have a bold pick, I would say. The talent's definitely there. There's no doubt that this guy will turn into that monster that he's been in the minors. And he'll prove why he's been the Astros' top pick for a while now and just, you know, burst in a breakout. But 
usually I just feel like he isn't the type of guy who's going to make his mark right away, even though he has a lot of talent. I just feel like in the time he's shown so far in the majors, which is, yes, somewhat limited, he's already passed rookie status, and he's, and he's been around in the system long enough for the Astros not to deal Reddit, not to make him the de facto right fielder. So I think that would be a bold pick. I don't doubt that he could be a top nine, but we would have to see that first, in my opinion. And maybe the new guard unleashes him a little bit more and is giving him more chances than uh, Hinch and Luno were willing to. That's fair. We definitely could see that. And going with the underrated tapes, I went with Brian Anderson, who a lot of people may not know, but he's actually the best player on the Marlins, which many <laughs> many would think from first glance, and I'm, I'm sure including you, Henry, be like, best player in the Marlins. Well, that's just, that's just no one. But <laughs> he's actually pretty decent. He's quietly been an above-average third baseman and right fielder in the past couple of years. Good defender, decent pop. He had 20 home runs in 126 games last year, playing above-average defense, being 14% better hitter than league average, and also having a 3.1 F4. He's also passed the 3 F4 mark before. And for those that don't know, a 2.0 F4 means you're an average starter. So he's above an average starter, which is impressive. And he's still very young. And the fact that he's already this good in the bad Marlins team, that's just going to get better. I think he could start having a better season, and he's pretty deserving of the spot. Yeah, I like Brian Anderson a lot, too. I don't quite have him in my top 10, but I think he's certainly underrated probably by being a Marlin. Uh, I I would agree with you that he is probably the best Marlin. I was thinking Jonathan VR for a second, but looking at the numbers, it's got to be Brian Anderson. I think you you hit the nail on the head, man. He He's awesome. And, uh, you know, maybe his, his uh, numbers, kind of, as far as counting stats, will be a little bit limited by a bad lineup, but... The, the metrics of individual performance, like OPS on base percentage, those should look a little bit better for, for Brian Anderson. That's a fair point. Maybe they'll get some depth from Jesus Aguilar, Corey Dickerson, and Jonathan VR. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll boost him a little bit. Yeah, it's I mean, it, there's at least some decent guys, but yeah, it'll be rough. Yeah, still, yeah, they'll definitely still lose 100 games. But moving on to number eight, who's your pick, Henry? Number eight for me is, you know, I'm realizing I actually have a lot of controversial ones. <laughs> uh, I guess I was trying to channel my inner cue since he couldn't be with us here tonight. But I got Franmil Reyes, man. And the reason why, in a nutshell, is I think he is going to hit a whole lot of home runs. He hit 37 of them last year. He's got uh, one of the better ISO power uh, measures of any hitter in baseball. Uh, let alone right fielders, and he was kind of weird. Uh, I guess he had a lot of solo shots, not a lot of ducks on the pond for his homers last year because uh, his RBI total wasn't as high as you would think for a guy with 37 bombs, but he wasn't in Cleveland for the whole year, so maybe that helps out with uh, a lineup that I think is a little bit stronger than the Padres maybe. Uh, so look for Fran Mill to hit a lot of bombs again, basically. Yeah, he he definitely has all the power in the world, but there's a reason why so many of those are so home runs. And I wonder if you actually know this as well about the Padres. And they have so many hitters that were this big homer hitting guys like Hunter Renfro and Framo Reyes as well. And uh, they they have so many guys who bat like around 250, but then have an op- an on base percentage under 300. 
And Reyes is one of those guys. And he also plays really, really bad defense. So, <laughs> it, yeah, I, I kind of ignored the defense in this. I'm looking. I always am looking to that fantasy baseball perspective. But I'm glad that I have you here to reel me in, Adam. That yeah, defense is important too. <laughs> yeah, I mean he maybe he's not Nick Castellanos level, but he's he still has a lot of power. Perhaps he'll maybe he'll make the extra step and have a little better on base percentage. That could certainly help him, but he definitely is one of the more powerful right fielders of the group. I'll definitely give you that. Yeah, so start drawing some walks, Fran Mill, and catch the dang ball when they hit it at you, <laughs> and then just keep hitting bombs, man. You got this. Hey, great advice. <laughs> yeah, but who you got there, Adam? I have Trey Mancini, and as a Yankee fan, I have seen this guy destroy them every every chance he gets, and he really came into his own last year. He's pretty much the leader on this Orioles team, I would say, maybe next to John Means, but I think Mancini has an edge over him too. Mancini had 97 RBIs and 106 runs scored for the Orioles. For the Orioles, how, how crazy is that? I didn't think that was possible to have nearly 100 runs and RBIs in the Orioles. He also added 35 home runs and was also top 30 in baseball according by OPS. So he's legit and he's young and he really broke out last year, and I think that power kind of average and walk rate combo will be here to stay. Yeah, he was a beast last year, and that you said it, the counting stats being that high on the Orioles is flat-out ridiculous. Uh, the reason that I don't have Mancini in my top ten is because I wasn't sure he's even going to play this year uh, if we do have baseball he has that health issue. He had a uh, malignant tumor removed Ooh. from his back, I believe. Uh, so we're certainly wishing uh, Trey Mancini and his family the best in his recovery, and we're looking forward to see him, seeing him on the field whenever that may be. Uh, but, yeah, he, he is a beast, and he has been for a couple of years now. I probably would have had him in the top ten if I was uh, expecting him to play this season. That's a fair point. I didn't I didn't realize with the tumor, so I'm glad that you reeled me in this time about that stuff. Shoot, sorry. I think I might have just had a, a noise in the background there, but no problem, Adam. Oh, good. Uh, but I, that'd be number seven next, which uh, I actually already did. Nick Castellanos, we talked about him. So I, I'll, how about you, Adam? Who, who do you have at seven here? I have Austin Meadows, and... I'm fine with, by the way, with Cassianos, I'm fine with number seven. I definitely think we've already mentioned this. You definitely reached that mark. So just, I didn't want to like just leave out your, your pick entirely on that note. But Meadows, I feel like he fits his spot well because Meadows, he had an all-star caliber season. He only played 138 games and still had 33 home runs. But the thing is about Meadows is that his uh, batted ball and play was pretty high. He was well over 300, well over the major league average. He had 33 home runs, which he never had before, and his defense is very yeah. atrocious. But that being said, perhaps the juice ball is here to stay, and thus Meadows is here to stay. And so he can definitely replicate that, but I definitely think we're going to see a little regression from him. I agree. I don't know if it's all juice ball, which – even if it's if it stays, I'm not sure we could still count on 33 home runs from him just because it really did come out of nowhere. But I do like Austin Meadows a lot as well. Uh, I'll spoil and say that I have him ranked sixth on this list, so he's who I would have talked about next. And he did have a great season last year. If you look at just those numbers alone, he's probably a guy who we would talk about higher than sixth. But uh, 
still unproven at this point and kind of developing that track record. So we'll see. Uh, I, I think he'll have another great year, but maybe a little bit of regression, like you said, Adam. Certainly. If he can do this year in, year out, he would be easily one of the top right fielders in baseball. He still is one of, on both our lists one of the top right fielders. So we'll just have to wait and see about the type of player he'll turn into. As for me, I have Joey Gallo as my number six. And on my original list, I had him as ranked number four, but then I looked into it and I think Gallo is the biggest regression candidate in baseball. So you heard it here first. And I looked at it and I was just surprised, of course. And I think it as was everyone about how well his average was, how well his, how good his OPS was. But then you look at it further a 368 batted ball in play. That is ridiculously high. Ridiculously high. And he still has a 38.4K percentage. So that's just insane. I think the power is always going to be there. He's always going to hit 40-plus home runs in a full season, but I think he's still more of that 230 player, 800 OPS max or so. I don't think he's the type of guy who looks like an MVP in the first half last year. Well, I think that the power is always going to be there. That is certainly true, Adam. But we kind of already did see the regression come for Joey Gallo in batting average uh, as we progressed through the season. He did get hurt, uh, and we didn't get to see him finish. But in July, he batted 135 in 14 games. So, I mean, you kind of saw him get back to swing and miss Joey Gallo, who, who still was powerful. He's still hitting bombs, but... He was like a 280 hitter for uh, the first part of the year. I think even higher than that. He might have been around 300 Jeez. in uh, May, perhaps. But I, that's not who he is going forward. But, uh, you know, if he can be a 240, 250 guy and hit 40 home runs, then that's pretty pretty freaking good. He's also a good on-base percentage guy. He draws a lot of walks. So I think I think there's a lot of upside for Joey Gallo, which is why you got to rank him in this range, and, and I do too. We, we agree on this one as well. I have Joey Gallo at uh, – that should be number five for me, right? Yeah. Okay. Huh, sorry, I have my numbers off on my list. But, yeah, I, I have Joey Gallo right around the same range as you there, Adam. Yeah. He definitely seems like this kind of Adam Dunn type guy, like maybe even more than him. I mean, this is a guy who still has more home runs and singles, but I think it's what, uh, yeah, he definitely does by a little bit. It's, it's still so bizarre and, but he can actually field a bit too. So he's actually a pretty respectable outfielder and play multiple positions. So he's, he definitely can be a top outfielder, but he just needs to show that he won't be, won't be regressing as much as he will. Yeah, you got a good point there at the end. He is another versatile glove. <laughs> those, those, they're always good to have around. Exactly. And speaking of versatile gloves, for my number five pick, I have Max Kepler. And fun fact about Kepler, he is one of the few German baseball players ever to play in the pros. And both his parents were dancers, so you can see where he got <laughs> his athleticism from. I just heard this at a random Yankees-Twins game I heard from the announcers, and I think that's such a fun fact, so... I'm all about that type of stuff. But in the actual analytics, he had 36 home runs. He had a 9.9 ultimate zone rating, which is a great defensive stat. And he's from the moment he came up in the big leagues, he's always had power. He's always had great defense. And I think he's here to stay in the upcoming years. 
the thing with Kepler, uh, to me, is I think he is another guy who is a regression candidate, maybe uh, with the juiced ball is something that's not back. Uh, he did have power before, you're right, but the 36 home runs was uh, 16 more than his previous career high over two full seasons the year before and then 113 games three years before. Uh, 252 average was good last year, but it was 224 the season before. So if, if that regresses a little bit too, I'd be worried about Kepler, and I actually don't have him ranked in my top 10. Hmm. Potentially controversial pick. Or lack of pick, sorry. <laughs> That's a fair point. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Eduardo Escobar, right? Now, I'm not thinking of Eddie, Eddie Rosario, but Eduardo Escobar went to the Diamondbacks. Didn't he play right field for the Twins for a little bit? Eduardo Escobar? Am I, am I getting the name right? I I didn't know that, if that's true. That could be. I'm going to pull up his uh, baseball reference page furiously and try and find out. Yeah, I'll double-check that Escobar. as well. Yeah, Escobar's on the Diamondbacks. Yeah, he, he played on the Twins. Yeah, yeah, but he did play on the Twins in 2018. Yeah, before he got and... traded. So, yeah, I think that kind of prevented him from really reaching his full potential. And I see what you mean. That is a big jump for him. It's kind of like the same Meadows argument. So that's a good point. And I just think his kind of jump made more sense than Meadows. And I think with the defense, he's here to stay. But I see what you mean. And I see where my rankings are messed up now because I think I included 11 guys in my top 10. It happens. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna squeeze in one here who I would have ranked in this like five six sure. range. I guess it'd be five for me. Uh, but it's a guy who I saw you don't have on your list, and that is Charlie Blackman. So let's let's talk about. I guess I guess I should do a little bit of the positive first about why I like Charlie Blackman. And no, he's not as good as he used to be. I'll start off by saying that. But he still had 32 home runs last year. And he batted 314, 112 runs, 86 RBI. He was only a 2.1 war player. So that is, that's not as good. But I mean, look at the numbers, like batting wise. He is, he's pretty awesome. And I know the defense isn't great. He's kind of getting to be a little bit of a liability. That's why he got moved to right field in the first place. But the man can hit, Adam. He's got to be a top ten right fielder. I just think there's this is out this is outfield, right? We're talking about outfield here, so there's so many good outfielders, and I get what you mean. And I I think all those counting stats that you mentioned, those are all evident by Coors Field, and he's he's amazing at Coors Field. Don't get me wrong; he actually has the second highest OPS in baseball at home. Yes, who's he second to? Mike Trout, or if for the sake of this argument, it would be nice if it was a Rocky. So how about Trevor Story or Nolan Arenado? Close. Those guys, I'm sure, rank high as well. But it's actually Christian Yelich who had a over 1,200 oh. OPS at home. But yeah. So that's pretty wild that he's that good at home. But away from home, he has a 731 OPS, which is – and I checked it up. I went to – I did so much research on this before. I went to, like, the splits bar on fan drafts and – he is ranked 228 out of 369 quality qualified players away from home. So he's worse than Harrison Bader and D. Gordon away from home. Put that into respect. In OPS? Yeah. You said 731? Away from home. 
that shouldn't be that bad. Harrison Bader has a better than a 731 road OPS. Yep. And D Gordon. Yep. No way. You can look that up. It's, it's, I'm going to have to. I'm, I'm going to. I'll have to check into the numbers after this. I don't want to like waste too much of our time on the air trying to pull them up myself, but I will get back to you, Adam, because that would be shocking to me, and that would be a good reason to leave somebody out of your top ten list. So if that were the case, I would have to give some kudos to you, my friend. I appreciate it. And I, I do. I, I am happy that you mentioned that. Like his defense isn't good. He's not the player he once used to be. He used to be a six point six WAR player. Everyone remember where he had 100 RBIs, 100 runs from a leadoff position. That was amazing. Now I would say he's more of an average starter because when you take into that extreme split between course field, away from home, and the bad defense, kind of get this kind of average player in between. Yeah, there are a lot of, I guess, variables to consider when you're valuing Charlie Blackman. He's more complicated, uh, a more complicated equation than your average right fielder. But I still think he's a beast, so that's okay. We can agree to disagree on Definitely. It. So why, why don't you go into your number four then, if you don't mind? Yeah. Sorry, I, I kind of jumbled the list there, throwing Blackman in. But number four for me, uh, I think you're going to have him higher. I'm pretty sure you do. I have Aaron Judge, which I don't know if I'm just Mr. Controversial tonight or what, but most people would probably have Aaron Judge a spot or two or three higher. Uh, but I have Aaron Judge at four for one reason and one reason only. Adam, the man can't stay on the field. He's a beast, but I want to see 140, 150 games of, and you know, maybe it's a shortened season, so that's that's not what we're going to see from anybody, but you get my point. I want to see Aaron Judge not get hurt, get through the season okay without getting banged up, and it, it hasn't been like major stuff either, so I mean, that's good, but. At some point, you become injury prone. No, that's that's a very good point. I think that's respectable there. I, I, I peeked at your list earlier, so I'm not happy at who you have slightly over Aaron Judge. Yeah, and we'll, yeah. I'm sure we'll get into that. <laughs> but no, I see what you mean. It's just like it's interesting because uh, in 2018 he got derailed by a wrist injury when he got thrown at at the arm, and then last year at an oblique injury, literally played through like pretty much a ruptured rib, and he still hit that well and. There's no doubt yeah. about it that when he's healthy, even at 102 games, he is as good as my number four pick as Harper in terms of war. And I know, but he also has a great arm. He's, he's literally like the best outfitter in baseball. He is better than Mookie Betts, which I know is saying something. So Ooh. he has he had 20 defensive runs I, saved in 102 games. I had no idea. Yeah, I know, right? It's wild. I didn't know he was so nimble out there in the outfield. Yeah, you should see some of his throws. You just kind of look at him. Yeah, you think he's just like a big kind of maybe clumsy, like but strong, muscular guy who's not like running around there making all kind of athletic catches. But you know, I guess Aaron Judge, underrated defender. Yeah, no, it's. But I, you know, I still have him top five. To be fair, I'm not like trying to hate on Aaron Judge. I just I want to see him be healthy. It's a fair point. Maybe I, my Yankee pride kind of came out a little bit there, but <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't think you were bringing the claws out, man. It was very civil. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I, I would say you you were civil of Castellanos, your former Cub, as well. So I appreciate that as well. <laughs> but eh, it's a little less personal now. Yeah, that's that's fair <laughs> considering he's on your rival. But yes, sir. But uh, number four for me, you said. Uh, your four was 
You said your four was Harper? Yeah, sorry. I, I should have mentioned that a bit clearer, but yeah, my, I think my four is your three, right? Yeah, actually, I have I have Harper at three, too, so this could be a great time for us to talk yeah. about him. Um, do you mind? Uh, either one of us can get started. Either, uh, yeah. You, you know what? You go for it, Adam. You start us on Okay, Harper. yeah. Sorry about that. So No, my bad. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Harper, I mean, I would never put Harper over Judge just because maybe ESPN put him too many times right in my face, and as his Sports Illustrated, that could be a part of it, but he, he certainly is good. This guy will always get 100-plus watts a year or around that. It'll give you 30-plus home runs, 10 to 15 stolen bases, usually about a four-ward player. So he, he's very good. He's the leader of the Phillies. I think he'll be better in year two. I think, you know, over the full, you know, he's obviously been, been healthy the last couple of years, so I see why you have him as number three. Yeah. And even in what was like widely perceived to be a down year last season, he still has 35 home runs, 114 RBI, 882 OPS. Those uh, seem to be developing as like my go-to last year stats. Uh, I'm noticing that as a trend, but he was pretty good last year. And obviously the upside is sky high as we saw in the MVP season. That was 2015 now. That is, that's a while ago, but we've still seen flashes of it along the way. I mean, the guy hit, 35 home runs, like I said. And I think he'll be better in year two as well in Philadelphia. He's got to cut down on the strikeouts a little bit. But I love the durability with Harper. That's that's another thing. Uh, I think he has been on the field a little bit more than Aaron Judge, which is why I have him ahead of him. Yeah, no, he's, he's always been very durable. He has so much fire and flair that I, he's either the most hated player or the most loved player. So he's he's definitely a fun guy to watch. So that's a good, that's a good choice. And very polarizing for sure. Yeah, definitely. And he's he's fun to he's definitely fun to play. Definitely helps out the game. I would say. Absolutely. So I think we can kind of read off our one and two pits. We might not agree on it, but we definitely have like the same two guys there, right? Yeah, we have the same two guys, but it looks like we actually have them flip flopped. So who are who's your number two, and here's your number one. My, I did Mookie number two and Acuna number one, and it looks like you did the reverse, yes, right? And so you think it's Mookie number one? Yeah, I just maybe I'm still hung over from that 2018 MVP season where he was literally better than Trout and the best player in baseball. But he, he's just insane. I mean, even in a stacked Red Sox lineup, I would say last year, yeah, 135 runs. He, even though his stolen base was just down, he only had 16 stolen bases last year. He could still come back as a 30-30 player. He's easily one of the best right fielders in baseball. Maybe not as good as Judge from my previous argument, but this guy is, I would say, still a top five player in all of baseball. And I think Acuna, who is excellent, easily give me a 40-40 player. I would love to see him get to 50-50. Don't doubt he's not the number one right fielder, but... I think there's somewhat of a limit with him. I think we need to see he needs to take that extra step of higher on base percentage, higher selecting percentage, and maybe even better defense for him to be baseball's de facto best right fielder. But I think the encouraging thing about Acuna is that he is so young to where, it, and you've seen him already take a massive step forward. I guess last season, I mean, he was pretty awesome his rookie year too, but then doing it over a full season last year, I'd consider that still a pretty massive step forward. I think Acuna 
has surpassed Mookie in my eyes, and I still think Mookie is plenty awesome. I have him ranked as number two, and I I agree. I think Mookie's a top five player in baseball, but I'd say Acuna is probably up there as well in my personal rankings. Anytime a guy can go 40-40, that, that just sticks out to me. And he could raise the on-base percentage a little bit, but you know, there's that room for growth. He's only, what, going to be 22 next season? And he's already hitting 40 home runs a year. And, and he batted 293 his rookie season and 280 last year. So if he can build on that a little bit, we're talking about a surefire Hall of Fame career one day. But the, certainly the same could be said for Mookie Betts and what he's accomplished so far as well. I think he'll continue to be a beast uh, in Los Angeles. And you really you can't go wrong with either one of these guys. So I, I could certainly see your argument saying that Mookie should be number one. Yeah, they're both just excellent players. And I love the fact that you mentioned his age. He is so young and he had an excellent, excellent sophomore season. I think it'll be really fun to actually watch Acuna and Soto, Soto just be these two feet on rookies competing year in, year out. You can throw Tatis Jr. in the midst too. And I'd be a fool to say that he won't get better next year. He will. And it just I think it's just interesting about how much will – that's to return that 2018 form versus how much growth will Acuna have. I think that's the real argument here. Yeah, it is. It is interesting to see how that equation works out, but I think we are all out of elite right fielders. I think you are correct. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the exit field podcast brought to you by me and Henry. We hope you guys stay safe and have a good night. And until next time, this is the Ace of Viewer Podcast.